one of the things that uh, you see is that when I started trying to remove all the bias in my life, like every bit of bias that I possibly could, I started to realize just how off I had been in multiple things. And it caused me to see clearly what the Lord had in plan. And it's a lot less uh, self-involved and self-centered and self-focused uh, than what the world has taught us to be. And overall, I wasn't somebody that was super, super self-centered. And if I was finding all these areas on me that was self-centered and I was not in the ditch of that, I was not in the extreme, it just showed me how much uh, we've been off as a society. And uh, so then, yeah, amen, Pastor John, 68% of all statistics are made up on the spot. And uh, so then as a pastor, I started watching people and seeing the amount of decisions that they make and what they thought was right. And one of the things that came into balance is, is the thought of most people don't, aren't, they don't, they're not evil. They're not wicked. Uh, they're not doing things wrong because they know that they're wrong and they're doing them anyway. Most people actually are doing things wrong because they think they're right. And when you start to realize that and you start to see that, it's like, man, we need to correct some of that thinking in the church, but we need to pay attention. We don't. It's not our job to correct everybody else. It's our job to correct ourselves. As a pastor, I'm tasked with figuring out uh, how can I help influence people to make those corrections for themselves, to get into the Word, see clearly, make those corrections for themselves. And in order to do that, one of the first things I need to do is help them face reality. Uh, in other words, if people think that they're right, how much effort are they going to put into changing their thinking? So there has to be a wake-up call. There has to be an alarm clock that says, hey, this is, this is not right. I'm not thinking. There's a possibility that I'm not thinking correctly on this. And the key to that is humility. Humility is the key that will uh, keep you from deception. Put that in the comments. Humility is the key to stay out of deception. Uh, most people think about this. If you're in deception, how do you know it? <laughs> because you're deceived. By definition, you don't know it, right? And so the only way to come out of it is to very purposefully move into humility. I mean, kind of aggressively move into humility. That's the only way to stay clear of deception and then stay in that place. Uh, just this weekend, the Lord was uh, showing me something. He was showing me how as we move forward, we need to make sure, make absolutely sure that, uh, talking to me, not we, but talking to Brian, uh, I need to make absolutely sure that I stay in humility. It's going to be one of the biggest keys in order to stay where we need to going forward and having the victory and the success that God wants us to have. We have to stay uh, in, we have to stay in humility all the time. And so humility is an, is an absolute key to stay out of deception. And again, let me, let me say this again, because I think that I say this and I really get the feeling that people miss this point is that by definition, deception means that you don't know that you're deceived. And so that be that as it may, the only way to recognize it, it for, is for us to humble ourselves so that we can see clearly. When we humble ourselves, there's a grace and a greater grace that's given, and that humility in that grace will help shine the light on the things that we need to see. And so many times we're sitting there going through doing the same thing over and over and over and over again, but we've not stopped to consider, am I wrong? Am I missing it? Or am I humbling myself? We've not stopped to consider that. And because of that, we just keep plowing through deception. And this is one of the major keys that we're talking about today and how to not miss it in leading. It's not what I was going to focus on, uh, but it is a big, big part of it is this. So in Jeremiah 24-7, it says this, the Lord speaking, he says, talking about the people of God. If you're born again, he's talking to you in this verse. He says, I will give them a heart to know me, for I am the Lord, 
and they will be my people, and I will be their God, watch this, for they will return to me with their whole heart, with their whole heart. So one of the things I want you to see is this, is the only way that we're going to get to where God is on a regular basis that's a promise that we can absolutely be guaranteed of is that we get there with our whole heart. In other words, I'm giving God my whole heart. I'm not holding an opinion off to the side. I'm not holding an opinion off to the side and saying, all right, Lord, I give you all of me, but I'm still holding on to this doctrine or this thinking. See, when we do that, we're in bias. We've got to give a, Lord, whatever you say, that is what I believe. I'm not trying to hold on to my opinion over here. That's the number one way to get deceived is to hold on to that. I'm going to give you some examples of that. I'm going to give you three areas that most people miss uh, sometime in their lifetime, but you can apply this thinking and you can apply these concepts to many other areas of our thinking and our lives so that we don't miss it and we don't make the wrong assumptions. But the biggest thing is that we give God our whole heart. In other words, I'm not, I'm not holding a, a 5% of my, my thoughts over here. Well, I'm going to give the Lord most of me. No, it's not a most of you. It's I give you all of me. What does your word say? Who are you? What are you saying? I give myself to whatever you're saying, Lord. And once you have confirmation that it's the Lord, then you can go with it in confidence and you will be blessed. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14 reiterates this. Jeremiah, put that, please put these in the comments too. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14, God speaking, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity. In other words, he has no plans for your calamity. I love that. He has no plans for your tragedy. He says, to give you a future and a hope, to give you a future and a joy, a confidence, and expectation, a biblical hope. Verse 12, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. How do we find him? How do we return to him? How do we find him? And if we find him, we find his will. How do we find him? How do we return to the Lord? How do we find the Lord? How do we find the will of the Lord? Put it in the comments, with our whole heart. It can't be most of our heart. It has to be with our whole heart. If, if we don't give him our whole heart, we are biased. Put that in the comments. If we don't give him our whole heart, we are biased and we are subject to deception. <laughs> if we don't give them our whole heart, we are biased and it's subject to deception. We are subject to deception. This is a major key and this is what gets most people off. They give God as much of their heart as their flesh desires, but they don't actually give their whole heart. They don't give their whole heart. And uh, so because of this, they, they leave themselves open to deception because they're not necessarily promised to find him. So they find him sometime, but not all the time. One of the first things I do if I ever am listening uh, for the Lord's leading and I'm not getting it, the first thing I do is I check my heart. Like if I'm sitting there and I don't get, like I'm not hearing from the Lord, I'm not hearing from the Lord, I'm not hearing from the Lord, then the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure that I've given him my whole heart. Do I really want to hear what he's about to say? Do I really want the answer that he's going to give? If, if, if he gave me the answer that's the exact opposite of what I think, am I okay with that? And if I'm not, then I don't, I've not given him my whole heart. This is, it is a bias if you're not, if you're not ready to receive his answer in any form then, then you're not open and, and you're not giving him your whole heart. And guess what? You're not subject to actually find him, return to him, and hear his will on that. You are biased. And that bias can be slight, and that bias can completely mess up your life forever. 
because you left a bias in there. This is not something we want to do. We want to avoid that deception. We want to avoid bias at all costs. And so I go into the Lord. I say, Lord, show me, show me what it is. Many times throughout the years, I've had people bring up things to me, bring up doctrines, all kinds of stuff. Every time they bring up the doctrine, I go into the word and I'm like, all right, Lord, what does your word say? I'm willing to look at it again because if it was God's will yesterday, it's God's will today in, that, in terms of doctrine, right? Uh, for, let, me, let me clarify because somebody could take that one thing out of context and it's not what I mean. You know, if he's calling you to you know, teach Sunday school today, that doesn't mean that he's calling you to teach Sunday school for the rest of your life. But if he's calling you to believe that God is love, he's going to be love. He changes not. He's going to be love today. He's going to be love tomorrow. His doctrines stand, uh, stand the test of time, and he changes not. And so if I find uh, that God is, God is telling me this, and this is a doctrine, I'm not afraid to go back into the Word, and I'm not afraid to go in there and look at it again because his doctrines stand the test of time. He doesn't change. So I'm not afraid to go back and look at it. I want to go back to the word always with my whole heart, not even carrying the bias of what I think is right or even what I think is godly. Many people I found, and I, and I did this for sure, is I had doctrines that I had set early on in my Christianity, and then it's like, you know, early on in my Christianity when I knew the least about the word, knew the least about the Bible, knew the least about anything, and I set, I set my beliefs of doctrine, you know, early on when I really didn't know that much percentage-wise, and then I'm never going to go back and test them. I'm going to live by my most immature beliefs uh, that I ever had. Like, that's unwise. I go back. I take the Word of God. I take the full counsel of the Word. I seek spiritual counsel on it, and I go back in there, and I'm willing to go with an open heart and say, Lord, show me these things. I can't tell you the number of doctrines that I had changed that I'd believed early on. The basic things were, were clear, and the basic things were right. God is love. He loves me, wants to save me, wants to save everybody. Uh, he's, he's not withholding any good thing from those who walk uprightly. I knew, I knew these basic things in that way, uh, but there's other things you know, that were contested and things that people would argue about and and they would find that they, they thought were very, very important. And I would go in and like tongues and, you know, women in ministry and things like this. And like, Lord, I have a thought towards this. What does your word say? I'm, I'm willing to open up my heart completely. Show me what your word says. And, uh, and then approach him as a child with my whole heart open. And that would keep my leading proper. That would keep me from being deceived because I was willing to not be biased. Most people, this is what I found, and I, it started with me. Amen. This is what I found, and it started with me. Hey, Clar Clarissa, good to see you. Um, one of the things that I found, and I learned this from myself doing it wrong, is the majority of people have a bias that they're unaware of. And the way to figure out if you have a bias that you're unaware of is, if you're asking God a question, pretend that he says to you, just pretend that it's a yes or no question, well, or it could be a, you know, your, a black or, or, or white question or red or blue or whatever it is. You've got one answer, then you've got the opposite answer. Pretend that God told you one of those answers. Would you like it? Are you comfortable with that? Pretend that God actually said the opposite answer. Would you like it? Are you comfortable with that? Almost every time you'll find that one of those answers you're okay with and the other answer you're not okay with. That shows the bias. And you have to, be, you have to understand that God knows stuff that we don't know. And God's going to present things that if the only way for all of your thinking to be right is for you to know everything that God knows. Who on the earth knows that? <laughs> Nobody knows that. And so many times we're going in with our thinking that we think is correct. We're not evil. We think it's correct. But we don't realize we're deceived in it. We don't realize that our thinking is off. And without humility, you're not willing to subject that so you have the potential to stay in deception.
And so I will take the two answers when I'm asking the Lord, okay, Lord, you know, for example, do you want us to plant a church in Troy? You know, yes. Ooh, I like that. Do you want to, no, I don't want you to plant a church. Oh, I don't like that. Then, then I realize I have a bias against that. I need to clear myself of that bias, right? Uh, do you want us to go uh, to the Philippines? Yes. Okay, I like that. Do you want us to not go to the Philippines? Oh, I don't like that. You know, and so I find that I have a bias in it. It's good for me to recognize that bias because I know at least which ditch I'm coming from that helps me to identify those things. If you're in, you know, well, I don't like tongues. You know, I don't like tongues. I think they're of the devil. Okay, then you have a bias towards that. Or if you have the other answer, if you're like, I, I don't like not having tongues, you can have a bias against that. You have, when you're figuring these things out, especially initially, you need to be willing to put both on the table and say, Lord, whatever one you say, and whatever one you say, that's the one that's right, and I trust you more than I trust me. Let God be true and every man a liar. Now, here, here's the issue, is that many times we think because of our deception, because of our bias, we think that God would only say the one that we believe. <laughs> Certainly, he would only say the one that we believe, right? And because of that, we can't even fathom him saying something else. And that's the major bias that's deceiving us. That's the major bias that's deceiving us. Because we, we have the truth or the supposed truth that we believe, and we believe it's God at this point, or we wouldn't be believing it. So we believe that there's no way God could say the other thing. You're instantly biased, and you will not find the heart of God, and you will completely, uh, basically jam up your leading from the Holy Spirit because of that bias, if that makes sense. I can't tell you how many times I've done this, I can't tell you how many times that I've fallen prey to this, and I cannot tell you how many times I've watched other people do the exact same thing. So, amen. Hannah says, what's helped you get willing to remove a bias, not just in action, but in your heart? Uh, example, bringing an offering in a non-cheerful cheerful heart. And uh, so one of the things I've done is I focus on, this is the key, that God is not withholding any good thing. So even if he says something that I personally don't like, I recognize that if God said it, it is always an opportunity for increase. So you know, write that in the comment. Whatever God asks me to do is always opportunity for increase. It doesn't matter what I think about it. It's always opportunity for increase. And so when I see it, and I, and I see and I have confirmation that God said it, then I know that it's the best thing for me. Whether I feel that way, whether logic seems to prove that out or not, if God said it, it's always the best. And so what I'm look at, when I'm looking at my bias is I have a thing that I'm biased towards, I think is the best. But when God says something else, I got to know by faith in God, in his goodness, and that he is not withholding any good thing. By faith, I know that whatever he says, whether I like it or not, it's always the best. And when I meditate on that and I get a revelation of that, that helps me put my bias down. If, if I think that my bias is the best, then I'm going to have a hard time receiving from God. I'm not approaching him with my whole heart. I won't find him and my leading is going to be unclear, and, is, and it's going to be a problem. All of this, and let's, uh, Buddy said something earlier. What did you say back there? Buddy said, we can often hear our bias when people say something different too. Yeah, uh, your, your bias will come out when you're having conversations with people that you disagree with what they're thinking. You'll, they'll say something, and you'll go, like that, and that a lot of times is your bias. It, it is, honestly, your bias is your belief system. Your bias is your belief system, but every belief doesn't have to be backed by love 
or, or by godly faith, right? Uh, we can have a belief system that's not backed by the word and not backed by truth, and it won't uphold, but we still believe it, and it'll come up like a shield, and it'll, it'll grade against you when somebody says something contrary. That's almost always your bias. You realize you can have a bias towards a good thing and a right thing as well. In other words, when the devil tries to put sickness on you and you have a bias, no, I'm the healed of the Lord. Well, that is something that you can go into the word and see so clearly and you can grab a hold of it and you should have a bias against the curse, right? But you want to make sure that those biases are based on the word of God, not based off of your feeling or bad teaching and bad doctrine that you picked up along the way. You want to make sure that they are solid and secure. There's no question in them. And that's the only thing you want to have bias on. It's basically the character and the nature of God. That bias is okay once you've established it by the word, but you better know it. You better know it. And I'm going to give you some examples. Uh, there's three areas that I find that many people mess up in in church. I'm going to give you some examples and biblical examples of this where people do this and it messes them up. And they think they're doing stuff for God and they're not. They are totally wrong. They are totally off. And they think that they're right in it. And then they'll go to the grave. And the truth is, they may, they, they may not even be born again and thinking that they serve God all their life. And they, why? Because they were biased in some way. I want to I look at these three areas. The first is, here's three areas that many Christians miss uh, in being led. Uh, before I get in that, Marky had a question. She said, how do you totally remove a bias if there's legitimate leading already in it? How do you properly, properly lay down something in your spirit and not just flesh? Not fully following you there. There's got to be something that you're asking there. I'm not sure. That, I think I know what you're talking about, but I'm not 100% sure, so I don't want to try and answer it. So put it in again. I'll try to answer it before we're done. Uh, here's three areas we miss in leading. Uh, this, is, this is leading. These are different areas that Christians believe they're led in. I have watched them miss over and over and over and over and over again. Here's the three different areas. They have a leading, but it's not the right time. It's a different time. They have a leading, but they, and they think that they're supposed to do it, but it's not the right person. It's a different person. And they have a leading, and they think that they're supposed to be a part of this or is supposed to be in this ministry, but it's a different ministry. So this happens quite often. There's a different time, a different person, or a different ministry, and their bias assumes that it's along, uh, along the lines of them when it's actually for somebody else. So let's look at these, and I'll explain what I'm talking about. Many times, the three different areas that people miss it is a different time, a different person, or a different ministry, all right? So the first thing is a different time. One of the greatest examples that we see of this is Moses in Exodus chapter 2, starting around verse 11. Moses starts to capture, and I want you to see this, he's actually picking up on something godly. He's picking up, he has a gifting and a passion to see the people of God free. He's 40 years old, He's in Egypt. He's, he's a prince of Egypt, right? And he, and he, but he sees the people of God. He sees his family. And he, and he goes and he starts feeling this calling. And, but he assumes that as soon as he feels that calling, the time is now. The time is now. And many, many ministers do this. As soon as they feel a calling, they feel like they got to go out and go minister somewhere. Well, I can, I can show you from the Word how most of the time that's not proper, and I'll explain that in a minute, talking about, uh, I believe it's Luke 16. I'll have to make sure of that. But uh, one of the things that you see is that God says, if you've not fully handled that which is another, how can I give you that which is your own? So what you see is Moses in that moment, he actually sees that calling and gifting and that passion inside of him, he thinks the timing is now, but because he was biased and because he was immature, think about it now, he's 40 years old. 
He's 40 years old. He's not like a super young man. He's 40. He's, he's had some experience, but he's still totally biased. Think about this. This is one of the greatest leaders that the Bible ever has recorded, but he still makes these mistakes. He's 40 years old. Then you watch somebody in their 20s and they think they know it all. And it's like, they're not even going to do the ministry that God's called Moses to do. And they're going to think that they never miss it, that they're not biased in it. And I watched that attitude. And what is that? At the opposite of humility, it's a pride and it traps them and they never become what God called them to be. Now, praise God, Moses ended up humbling himself. He ended up serving a different vision in uh, Jethro, and as he served Jethro's vision, and he was a shepherd for another 40 years, then God called him to his own vision. Most people don't have patience to wait for that. They feel like they got to do it now. The world's pressuring them to do it now, and this is why we have a bias of a different time. So he tried to step into this time. He ends up killing the Egyptian uh, that was that was harming uh, the people of God, harming the Israelites. It's a different time. He ends up having to flee Egypt and go away because he thought the time was now. He had a bias. Oh, man, I feel this. It must be now. And he took action on it. And this is where the doctrine you know, basically is the violent take it by force. This is the wrong side of that doctrine. That, that is actually a very good doctrine when it's applied correctly. This is that when somebody takes it the wrong way, they just, they have a thought and they think their job is to go make it happen right then. But it's a different time. And they're, they're biased in the timing of it. And because of that, they assume it's for me to do right now. And they go do it and they really, really mess up. And they actually, many people never recover. I praise God that Moses recovered, but many people never recover from that because they, they're constantly trying to make it happen right now. Praise God, I see that. Jennifer says, you're talking to me, Pastor. And James said, I've been there. I've been there too. This is not where you want to be. Now, it doesn't mean that you are always waiting and you never take action. What you do is you take action on things that you know God has told you to do. So many people, they want to go out and they want to be, they want to save the world. They want, but here's what, yeah, buddy said, me three. I, I understand. I'm, I don't know a believer that hasn't done this in some way. I mean, I don't know one person that really hasn't done this. And so many times they see the timing of it and they're biased on it. They've heard somebody preach on the violent, take it by force or whatever. They go try to make it happen and fail miserably. And they're so defeated, they never recover. They never actually hit their destiny. Don't do that. Just because you miss that, God still has a plan. If he recovered Moses, he would, be a, he would be a respecter of persons if he didn't help you recover. So look for the recovery. Look for the restoration of God. He's not a respecter of persons. But learn the lesson of humility and bias and, and get rid of the bias in humility Learn that lesson so that you don't repeat it again. Because if you did recover once, but then you did it again, oh, how much harder it is to be restored then because you start getting afraid to step out. God has something for you, but you have to be unbiased. You have to be willing for it to not be now. You, have to be, you also have to be willing for it to not be later on because there comes a time where God says, do it, do it now, and you're like, ah, ah. I've had that many times where I'm like, I'm ready, 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 ready. Then it comes time to actually do it. And I'm like, oh man, I, I thought I was ready. Now I'm not so sure, you know, and, and you have to be ready and be unbiased to go later, but you also have to be unbiased to go now. But what you do is you hear from the Lord, you get confirmation in humility with a lack of bias. You'll hear from the Lord. And when you hear the timing of God, it'll be right. You'll notice this with Abraham. He said, he said this, he said, the Lord told him, go to a place that I will show you. He knew that the timing of God to go was now. And so we went now. You see in Jesus, you see that he, his mom tries to get him to perform the miracle uh, at Cana. And you see though, although you know, he does perform that miracle, it's the first miracle he performed you'll notice that he understood that it was not full time yet because out of his words, he says, my time is not yet now. 
right? My time is not yet now. So he, he knows there's a timing of God. This is one of the major areas that people miss it in. As soon as they have it, they assume it's for them now. They assume it's for them now. And so, for example, many people, when they feel somebody comes to them, they prophesy, I see the gifting of a pastor on you. And they instantly go, man, I need to put a resume together. I need to go find me a church. And I, need to go, I need to go become a pastor. He didn't say, I see the gift of a pastor on you now. Why'd you add that word there? See, that's a bias. That's our pride and our flesh wanting to come out and do something now. I want to give you this first. Go ahead and give it to you. Philippians 2, 3. And let me just give you, I'll give you the whole verse, but I want to pay attention to the front part. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit. Do nothing. And so that's why when I hear from the Lord, I write down the exact phrase that I hear in my spirit. I don't write anything more. I don't add my, if I, I will put it in quotations. If I have a sense on it, like what it means when I, when I receive it, I'll write that out in parentheses. But I put the exact word from the Lord in quotes. I don't add to it. I don't take away from it. I put the exact quote. Why? Because it's important to go back to, did God actually say do it now? You know, did God say do it now, or was that you that added that? And see, this is a way to stay out of biasness, stay out of deception in that way. I've watched this so many times uh, throughout the years. And uh, many times you see young ministers where they just assume, oh, I've got to go do this, and I've got to do this now. Who said now? Who said now? Who said that? Did God actually? Think about this. Does God know how to talk to you and get your attention? Yes. Does he know where you live and know how you think? Yes. Does he know what makes you work? Does he know what buttons to push? Yes. Then doesn't he know how to get clearly to you? Doesn't he know how to get clearly to you a time? Like he can tell you that you're going to minister maybe or that you're going to have this business. Doesn't he know you know, we, we make this assumption that we make this wrong, biased assumption, prideful assumption that everything he says is for me now. That's immaturity. That's complete immaturity that, uh, that believes that. He'll tell you many things ahead of time as you grow in maturity so that you will pray them out, smooth out the path, straighten out the path so that when he says now, you pull the trigger and it just works, Right. And so don't make the assumption that everything is now. Some things he'll tell you ahead of time so you can start praying over them. Start praying over them. Start praying over them. Start praying over them. Start praying. Pray in the Holy Ghost. And it's not now. And we have this assumption that God doesn't know how to tell us the time to do it. He can tell us what to do, but not the time. That's why I'll say, when you're believing God for a word, always know what and know the when. And if he didn't say the when, then he hasn't given you a time yet. Don't assume that the time is always now. Don't assume it's always later. Don't assume anything. <laughs> just, just be open and hear what he says specifically and stop throwing our assumptions in there, right? Don't assume that. So many times it's like, I'll, I'll say, can't God tell me when it is? Doesn't he know I need to hear that? to be solid on it doesn't he if it's now i found that when it's now it'll be so booming in me i can't stop it he i all feel a pressure in the spirit that i got to do this now and then even if i put it off and i'm still discerning if it's proper or not making sure that it's not my own bias that's pressuring me while i'm doing that he'll send somebody else to me that knows how because he knows how to get my attention he'll say god said do this now right? He'll send somebody. He won't let you miss the time. He's a good father. He loves you. He doesn't want you to miss the time. He'll send somebody to tell you, you need to do this now. 
And so a lot of times we don't have faith that God will give us everything that we need. We feel like we have to make up that assumption. What that is, that's a product of a corrupted world that doesn't trust God and feels like we need to fill in the gap. In him, I live and move and have my being. In him, all my gaps are filled. In my fellowship with God, I don't need to fill the gaps in, right? I don't need to fill the gaps in. I just hear from him and I'm obedient. And that's the simplicity of it. So we make it a lot harder all the time uh, because of this bias and because of these assumptions. And it gets people deceived all the time. Listen, I watch this deceive ministers almost every day. Almost every day I watch this deceive ministers. I watch ministries who make these assumptions. And they're out of line, and they think that, they think that God has tell, told them to do something now, and they haven't done it. The second thing is it's a different person. In other words, uh, we hear something from God, and we assume that it's ourselves. So, for example, one, one example of this, and I'm not sure that he felt like he heard it from the Lord, but in 1 Kings 1.5, you see that Adonijah assumes that he's supposed to be king when, when King David had actually anointed Solomon to be king. He actually, he's talked into it, and he receives it as truth that he's supposed to be king. He's got some people that are trying to push him, and this happens in ministry. I've watched it all the time. I've, I cannot tell you how many times I've watched it. People think they see a calling on somebody, and they see a person in the right moment, and because they're greedy and selfish and want to be the one that helped them get in position because it'll it'll give them in the future, it'll give them clout, it'll give them status, it'll, it'll benefit them. They'll help push somebody up into that position thinking that they're helping God get his man into that. But God never said it was that man. They're assuming and they let their greed and their pride push that assumption and help push a person up there like Adonijah here. And Adonijah wrongly accepted that when it was King Solomon that was supposed to receive that kingship and receive that throne. And, and they assumed it's the different person. I had a situation one time. It was really interesting. Very, very interesting. Uh, I didn't know stuff like this happened. I, did, I didn't. This was young. This was right before we started the church. And uh, we're starting the church, so I'm not immature, but I didn't know about this kind of stuff. And I had not learned. I didn't have this experience yet. Now I do. But I watched somebody, somebody, right as we were planning and prepping the church to start, uh, somebody was calling, to, calling me. They were talking to me. And what was interesting was they were, they were getting things and telling me things that I hadn't told anybody else. They were hearing things I'd only heard from the Lord. And so, I mean, they were hearing things that only the Lord had said to me. So were they hearing correctly? Yes. But, now watch this, Philippians 2, 3, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Jeremiah Remember, they'll return to me when they return to me with all their heart. They'll seek me and find me when they seek me with their whole heart. So having a whole heart and making sure that we actually consider others higher than ourselves is very important. So what happened is many times people miss it uh, in a different, they assume it's a different time that it is. They don't wait on the Lord to hear that in their leading. They assume it's a different person. Most of the time, they assume it's them. Like anything that runs through their mind, that certainly must be for me, okay? So I started to learn this principle. I'll tell you that story about when we started the church in a second. I started to learn this principle when I was spending all this time with the Lord as I was traveling down the road, and he was growing me up. I was listening to preaching and teaching, praying in the Holy Ghost, listening to the Bible every day, uh, anywhere from two hours, six hours a day, I was spending this time with the Lord. And during that period of time, man, I had all these ideas. I must have had a file that probably had a hundred different business ideas in them. 
Because I'd drive down the road and I'd see a building and I and I could see a business in that in that. And I would see this business, I would see that business, I would see this business. And all and I had all these ideas, and I'd take those ideas and I'd write them down. I started putting them in a file because I realized I'm not going to be able to remember them all. In my head, this is what was going to happen. In my head, because I was not following Philippians 2, 3, and I wasn't 100% in, out of bias and with my whole heart approaching the things of God. I knew the Lord was giving me these things. But in my head, I was going to form a corporation, and it was going to be, you know, right enterprises or right industries or something, some umbrella corporation. And underneath them, there'd be this business and this business. All these hundred ideas or so would be businesses under this big corporate umbrella, and it'd be awesome, and we'd make millions and spread the gospel and everything like that. I just thought, man... It was awesome. Thank you, Lord, for giving me all these ideas. And then one day, one day, this was years later, I had that folder and I had this. And by this point, those things weren't coming to pass. They just weren't working out right. And I was like a little discouraged. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. So seeing that it didn't work right, see, I could have gotten here a lot sooner had I humbled myself and become unbiased in it. But in my bias, I'm thinking, all these ideas, they're mine. They're for me. They're for me. All right, let me read Philippians 2, 3 one more time. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, <laughs> but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. I went. I was like, okay. I said, Lord, this discouragement had brought me to a place of humility where I was stop starting to open up my mind to the fact of, did I miss something? Certainly, I didn't miss something. <laughs> Certainly, I didn't miss something. <laughs> but it wasn't working. And so when it wasn't working, I'm, I'm the type of person that I want to dig down and find out why is it not working. So I started talking to the Lord about it. Maybe I should have started talking to him unbiasedly a long time before this. Uh, yeah. But anyway, I finally got there, and I'm sitting there, and this not working. Something was off, so I started in humility going to the Lord. And, and in that moment, I said, Lord, what, what am I missing here? And, that, and as soon as I opened up my heart to him, and I was truthfully wanting to hear what he actually said. As soon as I got the bias out of the way, I found his wisdom. And he spoke to me and he said, did you really believe that all those business ideas were for yourself? And I went, because uh, the answer was, yes, yes, I did believe that. <laughs> that was the answer. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> and I was like, he said, when would you have done them? When do you have time to do all of those? And I was like, that's a great point. <laughs> I have no idea. He's like, when, he said, he said, I gave you the, now watch this. What was he actually preparing me for? He said, huh? Yeah, here's, what was he actually preparing me for? He was preparing me to pastor, to take ideas and give them to the people that could have their own businesses. And it wasn't even for that time. It was for later on when I started pastoring. It was for me to help lead like the Kingdom Business Fellowship and for me to help lead these things into this place where I could take those ideas and give them to other people and help them have their businesses. It wasn't even for me. It wasn't for me. Although, man, I sure thought it was for me. And at that moment, when I dropped the biasness and I opened up my whole heart, I heard the truth of it. And as I knew it. as soon as he spoke it to me, I went, that's what it is. I went, glory to God. And I started seeing. Now, I'm going to tell you, one of the hardest things that I ever did was take one of those ideas that I thought was a million-dollar idea and give it to somebody else. <laughs> I was like, no, I want to keep it for me. It's mine, my precious idea. It was like God God then, you know, helped me with my humility and he said, he he said, who gave you that idea? Whose idea is it really? And I was like, oh. 
it's your idea. <laughs> it's your idea. It's not actually even mine. He said, what gives you the right to, to hold on to it and covet it and, and claim it as yours? Lord, I repent. I repent. Let me read this verse again. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important uh, than ourselves. In other words, somebody else is worthy of this point, right? Somebody else is worthy of this idea, maybe more than I am. Maybe it's more for them. Maybe I could take a $10 million idea, dollar idea and give it to somebody, and I could keep the $1 million idea. See, our American brain doesn't even like that. No, why would I give the larger amount? That's the American thinking that's actually based in corruption. Not all American thinking is, is corrupted, but my point is that's an example of a Western thinking that is corrupted. It's like, why would we do that? Like, even as I say that, my logic side of my brain is going, no, you know. But our spirit man will be like, no, give him the bigger idea. Consider others higher than ourselves. See, our spirit likes that. Our spirit enjoys that. But our logical corrupted side is biased against that type of idea. So one of the things that you see is that it's not always, you know, it's not always for us. It's not always for us. So going back to this, now this is in ministry. We're getting ready to start the church. This person's calling me. They're telling me stuff that God's telling me to do with the church, uh, like strategies and principles and things the Lord was just downloading into me about Boomerang Church when we started. And this person's telling me all of these things. And then guess what? Now here's what they didn't tell me. We're starting the church in, in January. Here's what they didn't tell me. They decided they're going to start a ministry in December. That's what they never told me. They just all of a sudden started the ministry. I find out later that all the people that we both knew, they contacted and said, come be a part of our ministry. And so I want you to see what happened here. They assumed that everything they were picking up was for them. That's the way it appears to me. They assumed that it was for them because they weren't looking at, oh, maybe I'm supposed to be a part of Boomerang, right? No, they assumed we're supposed to have that ministry. Now, as it stands, that ministry doesn't exist anymore. Uh, and and it, didn't, it never functioned, it never flowed, yet Boomerang's still here and still going. And man, did it teach me a lesson. It hurt my heart. Like, it really, really hurt my heart because, and I knew, I knew from the beginning they were supposed to be a part of our ministry, and they weren't, and it was like I knew they were out of place, and I had a heart for them, I had a love for them, but I couldn't make them do that, and I wasn't going to, and I wasn't even going to necessarily suggest it unless, unless the Lord told me to directly. I'm not even going to suggest that, but many times we assume that we're the person that's supposed to have it. And, and, not, and not somebody else. But when, we're, when we start considering others higher than ourselves, I can tell you this. When I, when I heard that they were starting the ministry, now listen to this. When I heard that they were starting the ministry, here's what I did. Lord, am I missing it and I need to go be a part of their ministry? That's what we did. That's what we did. Why? Because I'm considering that, hey, maybe I'm the one missing it. And... And maybe I need to go over there. And the Lord told me, no, no, you, you're hearing right to start Boomerang. And that is of me. And I don't want you to go over there. But even after we started Boomerang, there were several other churches that started. And I told the Lord multiple times, I said, Lord, I'll go right now. I will shut Boomerang down because it looked like we weren't having success early on. And uh, we were having success. And we were seeing lots of people healed and saved and delivered. But it wasn't at the level that I was expecting. What I didn't realize then uh, was that we were in a foundational period for a much larger ministry than what I had originally seen. Uh, it was much larger, and we needed the foundation solid. And God was helping us literally get revelation of those foundations that would sustain us and sustain many churches on top of that foundation. But 
I didn't see that at the beginning. I didn't see the full picture of it, so I didn't know what was going on. I was just following in obedience, step by step, day by day, what the Lord said. But I questioned it. I'd go back, and I would. I didn't want to be in. Um, I didn't want to be in pride. I wanted. To, I didn't want to be in bias. So I would check it. I can remember specifically one ministry, and I said, "Lord, I'll go serve that ministry right now. I will shut down Boomerang today." I will shut it down. This will be hard for me to do in my flesh, but I will. If you tell me to go, I will shut the whole ministry down today, and I'll tell everybody in the ministry, go and serve this ministry, and I'll go, and I'll be one of the best uh, right-hand guys that pastor's ever seen in his life. I will serve him, be loyal, and be happy about it. I'll enjoy that. And the Lord very clearly said, no. No, and a few a little while later, I asked him again. A little while later, I asked. I probably asked him four or five times until I got to the point that the Lord said, "Do not ask me that question again." And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> whoops!" And so I, I had actually moved into a false humility, trying to be, you know, trying to do too much. But what I didn't realize was, no, He's called us. He's given us a mission. He's given us a purpose. It, it, we were on track. I just didn't know that we were 100% on track. We were on track. We just we were going through some foundational stuff that I didn't fully understand yet. And uh, so you don't want to assume that it's that it's always right now or it's always later, a different time. You don't want to assume uh, that it's always you. It, it can be somebody else. Now watch this. There's also a time where you have to stop assuming it's somebody else and start start realizing it's you. Right when it's time to step into ministry, I've had that recently. Where I remember the first aspect of that was right before we started the church. The Lord spoke to me, and I said, "Lord, I'm, I need somebody like this in this area." And He spoke to me and said, "You be that man." And it was very clear, and I, and it kind of I was it scared me because I was like, "That's a big responsibility," and I had to stop assuming it was somebody else. And I had to receive by faith what the Lord had spoke to me and confirmed. And I spoke to my leaders, and they confirmed that is what God's telling, uh, telling you. Here's the third area that we miss it is a different ministry. A lot of times, everybody, I've watched pastors do this, and I've done this and been tempted by this over and over and over and over again. Everybody that comes in your door and everybody you meet on the street, they're supposed to be a part of my ministry. They're supposed to be a part of my ministry. They're supposed to be in my business. You know, uh, in networking, I would always see it like they're supposed to be in my business. You know, like no, not everybody is supposed to be in your business. You know, not everybody's supposed to be in your business. Not everybody's supposed to be your customer. Not everybody's supposed to go to your church. You know, that's not the way it works. That is a wrong, biased assumption. And not everybody's supposed to be there and be attentive to you. Not everybody's supposed to be in your life group right? Not everybody, even when people come in and visit the church, I know not everybody that walks in the door is supposed to be there. Some people are there just to receive a deposit and an impartation that will help them be in the right place where God's called them to be. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus is saying, hey, it's at this time that the Holy Ghost, I'm going to give you the Holy Ghost, and the disciples instantly go to what we call my ministry mentality or my kingdom mentality, and they assume, they go, oh, is it at this time that you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he goes, no. (laughs) He's like, it's not for you to know the times or eras, everything, but you can tell. Now, they've been with Jesus three and a half years, but they still are thinking everything about themselves. It goes back to the same thing. It's selfish and empty conceit. They're not considering other people higher. In this point, the Gentiles. God didn't just want to save uh, Israel. He wanted to save the world. (laughs) He wanted to save the world, you know. Uh, John 3, 16, you know, for God so loved the world. They, like, missed that whole wording there. It's like all they heard was God wanted to save us, you know. Different, there can you can miss it by thinking it's a different ministry or a different people. It's not always us. It's not always our ministry. And so they were thinking, this is our ministry. This is our kingdom you're about to save. He's like, no, I'm about to save everybody. I'm about to save everybody. And so you can have the idea that everybody's supposed to be a part of what you're doing, and that's not true. 
Uh, there's many people that will come through the doors of Boomerang. They're not called to be here. We know that. We want them to be where God's placed them to be. This is the best place for them and for us. Now, here I want you to see this. If you remember in the New Testament, in the Gospels, you would see the zealots, right? The zealots believed, they knew, they had searched the Scripture, and they had seen that God was going to restore the kingdom. But they assumed the time was now. They, they assumed they were the people to do that, and they assumed that it was Israel being restored right now. They totally missed that it was the whole world. The zealots were actually guilty of all three of this, three of these, and in their biasness, they actually caused a lot of problems. I really appreciate their passion. I appreciate their passion, but they were wrong in three different areas. All three of these areas they missed the time, the person, and the ministry or the kingdom. They missed all three of them because they had a bias. When they read these scriptures, they had a bias towards them. You look at the Pharisees, the Pharisees, they read scriptures all the time, but because of their bias, they didn't even recognize Jesus when he got in front of them. Let me read this one more time. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. If we will be about lifting up other people and giving to them first and serving them first and holding them higher than ourselves, God will promote you and you won't be able to stop it. God will promote you. And this is just it. I don't have to promote myself. I don't have to. God will do that as I serve other people. As I, as I serve other ministries and give to churches that are in the area and support them and, and support what they're doing, and not just that I'm there at all of their meetings, but in my heart, truly, truly in my heart, I believe in them and I'm supporting them. God will promote you. So I don't try to go about promoting myself by talking down this ministry or that ministry. I don't have to do that. I just preach the word, and I believe in them, and, and I tell people, hey, go check out this ministry. You know, if, if you don't feel like this is your place, go check out that ministry. Find the place that God has planted you, right? And as you do that, God will promote you. It can't not happen. It can't not happen because when you sow those seeds of humility, then grace and greater grace is giving, and God will make your name great for those things. When you're willing to serve, when you're willing to come up underneath people, let them be higher than you and lift them up, that's when God will promote you. He has no other choice because he's given his word on it, right? And so you don't have to promote yourself. You don't have to believe that it's always your time, it's always you, and it's always your ministry. You don't have to believe that. God will do that. God will bring you the supply that you need. He'll bring it at the right time. It'll be the perfect thing. Stop trying to manufacture it. We have to stop trying to manufacture it ourselves. That's what a bias does, is constantly trying to manufacture something that's not what God's saying. And we have to get that out of the way. We have to get that pride out of the way and step into humility, and then we'll hear from God we won't be deceived, we won't make the wrong assumptions, and we'll avoid the deception. Are you ready for that? Are you ready to live that kind of life where you're avoiding these deceptions? Then it's time to step into that place of unbiasedness and humility and let the, let the goodwill of God manuf manufacture itself and come into being itself. Let it manifest itself. So let's just pray right now. Father, Right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just yield ourselves to you. We don't make assumptions, and we don't, make, we don't do anything out of selfishness or empty conceit, and we consider others higher than ourselves. Lord, whatever you tell us, that's what's right. Whatever you tell us, that's what's the best. Whatever you tell us, that's the increase. And so, Lord, right now, we just yield ourselves to you, and we stop trying to to stop, stop trying to manifest our own destiny. We don't have to manifest our own destiny. If we did, it would be so much shorter 
than yours would be. It would be short of the goal. Lord, we want your destiny to happen, and we yield ourselves to you as a servant to you and a servant to mankind in your name. We thank you, Lord. Lord, we remove, we seek to remove all biasness. We seek to step into all humility and avoid deception, and we do those things by your power and by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.